Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, and not forgetting, empoweredmanifestation.com. Today is the 8th of January 2022. And the title of today's show is January 6th Commemoration, COVID Latest and Maxwell Trial Development. And I'm going to focus a lot of my attention on this January 6th ridiculous commemoration by the Democrats. Um, I didn't even give it give any attention to the ridiculous Democrat so-called commemoration. It was absolutely farcical. What I do want to focus on is the real story about January 6th. And I've seen a lot of uh, posts on Twitter and Facebook basically saying, um, who cares about January 6th? Really in response to the twisting of the facts around what happened that day from this uh, Democrat commemoration. But my answer is, I do care about January the 6th. And I'll tell you why. I remember a lot from that day. It seared on my memory. I watched it unfold and I knew it was a setup from the start. Antifa probably thugs breaking windows with Trump supporters telling them to stop and trying to stop them. I remember video of Capitol Police moving aside the barriers and waving people in. I remember Capitol Police brutally attacking peaceful Trump supporters with tear gas and flash bombs. It was like looking at a completely different country from the United States. Some people are saying, who cares about January 6th? As I said, well, I care. I care about Ashley Babbitt, who was murdered. I care about the woman who was beaten to death in the tunnel and then carried off cause of death announced as an overdose and I have an article about that I know I shared it oh quite a few weeks ago but I think it's worth bringing up again these people are evil and we need a proper investigation of the people involved especially Pelosi who no doubt orchestrated the whole thing to discredit Trump supporters and set Trump up for a second impeachment we need to see all the communications between Pelosi and her cohorts, including law enforcement and the Pentagon. We need to see the 14,000 hours of video from the Capitol cameras. We need to expose and arrest those treasonous SOBs and make them face justice for all the crimes they have committed. And I've posted this on Facebook in a number of threads and also on my own timeline and the response I'm getting is, yes, we do need to see justice done over this. I mean, this was the second part of the coup by the deep state, the first being November 3rd and the election steal, the second being the prevention of justice being done in terms of challenging the Electoral College votes. So, you know, this cannot stand. So as you can probably tell, I'm rather passionate about this because, you know, oh, I, uh, I'm a Libran, so I'm very much about the scales of justice and truth. Um, so it really aggravates me when these oh, corrupt, evil people are, are spinning this story just for their own benefit. Oh. OK, so as I said, I'm going to start with um, the death of Roseanne Boyland. And this is from Resist the Mainstream. And it was published today, actually. Video shed light on death of Roseanne Boyland at US Capitol on January 6th. Newly released video from the West Terrace Tunnel of the US Capitol provides more details on the collapse, beating and death of Roseanne Boyland on January 6, 2021. A three-hour video unsealed in late December in a January 6th federal criminal case shows the 34-year-old President Donald Trump's supporter enter the tunnel, was pushed back out, fell and was struck by police before her lifeless body was dragged into the Capitol. 
Boylan's sister and a New York attorney questioned the District of Columbia medical examiner's finding that Boylan died of an overdose of a prescription medication she took for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. Boylan from Kennesaw, Georgia, travelled to Washington, D.C. for the Save America rally at the Ellipse on January 6th. She is seen on video entering the Capitol Tunnel, walking next to conservative activist Philip Anderson. Bystanders continue filing in toward the double doors leading into the Capitol. About two and a half minutes later, police begin pushing the crowd backwards. Boyland is seen at one point looking down at her feet as the mass of humanity flows back toward the entrance. Less than two minutes after that, she disappears from view after falling. Police continue to push the crowd out of the tunnel, causing bodies to pile up on the stairs. A man in a blue cap and fur-trimmed jacket hood points at the ground and pleads with police to stop pushing. Others in the crowd try to hold off the police, desperately signalling that people are down on the sidewalk. Despite the pleas, police make another push against the crowd, sending more bystanders down the stairs. Men trying to pull people off the pile are doused with pepper spray. About seven minutes after Boylan was pushed out of the tunnel, a man steps right in front of police and shouts, Stop! He grabs an aluminium medical crutch off the ground and holds it out in a blocking motion. At the lower right edge of the tunnel arch, the video shows a Metropolitan Police Department officer repeatedly striking someone at ground level with a baton or a large stick. Body cam footage released in 2021 by the US Department of Justice and cell phone videos posted to social media show that Boylan was hit by a police officer numerous times with what appears to be a small tree branch or walking stick. Shortly after, a group of men carries Boylan to a spot on the sidewalk directly in front of the police line at the centre of the tunnel entrance. Other videos show a bystander frantically performing CPR on Boyland, whose lips had turned purple. Another man wearing body armour with a patch that read Sheriff on the front takes over the CPR for a short time but is then pulled away from Boyland. Police then grab the apparently deceased woman by the feet and drag her into the capital. She's dying, she's dying, one man cries out to the line of police. That's on you, mother... Affer. The crowd outside the tunnel then erupts into a rage, charging at police and throwing objects, including flagpoles, a riot shield and what appears to be a stereo speaker. The new video confirms the limited body cam footage and eyewitness accounts from January 6th that Boylan was crushed and trampled when the crowd was pushed out of the tunnel, then repeatedly struck by police as she lay unconscious. The New York attorney who released the three-hour surveillance video repeated his call for a special prosecutor to investigate what went on in the Capitol Tunnel. My assessment is that, yes, she was killed by the police, Joseph, Joseph McBride told the Epoch Times. McBride originally called for a special prosecutor after the three-hour video showed his client, Victoria C. White, was beaten by police in the West Terrace Tunnel over a four-minute period on January 6th. The violence against White occurred just a few minutes before Boyland entered the tunnel. Our relentless pursuit of truth and justice requires a special prosecutor to investigate the brutal beating of Victoria White and killing of Roseanne Boyland, who were both victims of police brutality on January 6th, McBride said. Witnesses have given dramatic accounts of Boylan's last minutes of life. Many people were screaming that a woman was being trampled by the police. I responded as fast as I could, witness Jonathan Mellis told investigative journalist Cara Castronova in August 2021. I saw her lifeless body being crushed under the officers and hit with their buttons. They were kicking her viciously. I acted to get them off her. I was maced. Lonna Cave, Boylan's sister, said the family is looking for answers and to see that the officer who struck Roseanne is held to account. 
We just want to know what happened to Roseanne. There are so many questions, Cave said in a December interview with Castronova. There's video of her being beaten by a police officer after she's already down on the ground. And then she is seen on video again shortly thereafter and the police drag her. The guys who are out there with her are doing CPR and one of the police officers like picks up her leg and starts dragging her down the tunnel. Conservative activist Anderson, who was pulled unconscious from the pile of bodies, said he held on to Boylan's hand while more and more people fell on top of them. Anderson was pulled from the pile by Jake Lang. After I tried saving Roseanne for about two to three minutes, I just couldn't budge her. She was under too many people and she lost her life, Lang said in a podcast interview with Jim Hoft of the new site Gateway Pundit. She couldn't be saved, so I moved over. I spotted Philip with his tongue hanging out at the sound of his mouth, completely unconscious. He was in a little bit better of a position for me to get underneath him. Congressman Louis Gomer, Republican Texas, questioned Attorney General Merrick Garland about Boylan's death at an October hearing on Capitol Hill. Was a determination ever made as to who repeatedly struck Roseanne Boyland in the head with a rod before she died, Gomert asked. Again, I think this was a matter that was investigated by the US Attorney's Office, Garland said. Cave said she wants to know why the police officer who beat her sister isn't under investigation. Why, in this case, is this policewoman not being held accountable? Why is nobody investigating her, Cave said. Why isn't anybody talking about it? It's mind-boggling. It doesn't show the police officers helping my sister whatsoever. The only people who are helping her are the guys who are sitting in jail right now. And it's a really upsetting story, reading this. And when you contrast that with what the Democrats are spinning into a so-called insurrection, it's absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. So there, I'm very annoyed. And the Epoch Times has an article um, which they put out on the 6th, the day of the commemoration, so-called. Uh, January 6th, a legacy of troubling questions. The hardened steel baton made the most disturbing sound as it bounced off Victoria White's skull. It varied between a hollow click and a deeper snap, depending on where on her head the metal weapon made contact. Please don't beat her, a man in the crowd yelled. It was chaos in the West Terrace Tunnel entrance of the US Capitol on the afternoon of January 6, 2021. Outside, thousands who had attended, attended President Donald Trump's Save America rally milled about the entrance while groups of rioters battled police near the tunnel. I challenge the um, naming of them as rioters, uh, probably more like peaceful protesters. An almost demonic cacophony emanated from under the tunnel arch. I didn't even touch you, a woman cried. I need help, I need help, a man shouted. Shut up, damn it, intoned a police officer in riot gear. Get out, boomed another. Then a blood-curdling scream, followed by the ear-splitting sound of an emergency siren. And it shows an, a photograph of uh, Victoria White appearing prone or near collapse in several parts of a five-minute video. After repeatedly striking White in the head, the officer in White holstered his baton. Then he made a fist with his bare left hand and punched White in the face. Oh, no, 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 please, please don't beat her, someone shouted to no effect. After three full-force knuckle shots to White's head, the officer in White paused. Then he went in for two more blows. He grabbed the hair at the back of her head and pulled hard. These are just effing cowards to attack women like this. I am just disgusted. White looked dazed and confused. She wore a blank stare. Another officer reached in with his baton in an apparent attempt to prevent more blows. The officer in white grabbed his colleague's arm and shoved it back at him. The almost unbelievable violence meeting out on the unarmed five-foot-four-inch white provides a stark contrast to the often-preached narrative that January 6th was strictly an insurrection carried out by mobs of Trump supporters wanting to overthrow the government. 
White was a victim of brutality. Her lawyer is preparing a civil suit. Hers is one of the hidden stories of January 6th, exposed only after a federal judge ordered that three hours of surveillance video held by the U.S. Department of Justice be released to White's attorney. And I really think we need to start renaming Department of Justice as Department of Injustice. It's so bad. Political divide widens. The voluminous media coverage in the weeks leading up to the one-year anniversary of January 6th demonstrates the substantial and growing divide between Americans of different political stripes. The prevailing narrative is that supporters of Trump, whipped into a frenzy by his January 6th speech at the Ellipse, descended on the US Capitol in a violent attempt to upend democracy. A large crowd of Trump supporters, estimates range from 30,000 on the low end to 2 million on the high end, crowded the ellipse to hear the president rail against the 2020 presidential election. Trump contended, along with millions of supporters, that widespread election fraud in key states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, Arizona and Wisconsin had robbed him of a second term and placed Democrat Joe Biden in an illegitimate presidency. The speech started approximately an hour later than scheduled. Well before Trump concluded his remarks, a group of protesters breached a lightly guarded barrier on the Capitol's pedestrian walkway. They quickly headed for the Capitol building. By the time the throngs of rallygoers made the long walk to the Capitol grounds, the perimeter fencing and security signs indicating the site was restricted had been methodically removed. As tens of thousands of protesters surrounded the Capitol, pockets of violence broke out, windows were broken and protesters climbed inside just after 2pm. At other entrances, protesters found doors propped open and proceeded inside like tourists. The circumstances of the worst violence are hotly contested, but the results were real. Trump supporter Ashley Babbitt, 35, was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer as she attempted to enter the Speaker's lobby. White and others were beaten by police in or near the West Terrace Tunnel, attorneys say. Some 140 police were injured during battles with rioters. I wish they'd stop using that. This is epoch times, for goodness sake. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick died on January 7, 2021, although his death was eventually determined to be from natural causes. Capitol Police Officer Howard Liebengood and Washington Metropolitan, Metropolitan Police Officer Jeffrey Smith, both of whom were on duty at the Capitol, took their own lives in the weeks after January 6th. President Joe Biden described January 6th as the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. No, the worst attack on our democracy was November the 3rd. The Associated Press asserted it was the most sustained attack on the seat of American democracy since the War of 1812. Stephen Sund, former U.S. Capitol Police chief, called it a coordinated violent attack on the United States Capitol by thousands of well-equipped armed surrectionists. More lies. It wasn't coordinated. The FBI have already debunked that. And nobody was armed. If it was a insurrection, all the um, gun-owning patriots would have been there in force, armed to the teeth. Many Americans don't see those words as hyperbole, insisting trump fuel mobs fully intended to disrupt the US Congress and overthrow the federal government. Across the political chasm are those who reject that dominant narrative and assert that while January 6th was many things, it was no insurrection. They view that characterization as a convenient way to suppress the truth and make political points to try and discredit all the MAGA supporters and Donald Trump himself. <clears throat> that was my interjection. The real January 6th story, they believe, remains hidden on some 14,000 hours of surveillance video from around the Capitol grounds. Portions of that video will undoubtedly be unsealed as some of the more than 725 people arrested for alleged January 6th related crimes go on trial. 
Whatever the chaos of that infamous day is called, one thing seems clear. The full January 6th story hasn't been told. One year later, the legacy of January 6th is a trail of troubling questions, the answers to which could rock American politics and deepen the divide between its citizens. And in my view, the reason why these trial dates are not being set is because they don't want the real evidence to come out. Um, apparently, as I say, I didn't watch this ridiculous Democrat commemoration ceremony or watch um, Brandon and Kamala um, compare it to uh, Pearl Harbor and 9-11. How ridiculous is that? Um, but apparently they cherry pick some scenes from the uh, from January 6th to try and show the violence supposedly of the Trump supporters. But, you know, what I watched on on video when it was actually playing out was them trying to defend themselves against the brutality of the police against peaceful protesters. The, the MAGA people didn't incite the violence. The Capitol Police incited it. They started it. You can tell I'm pretty pissed off about this. Is there evidence of treason, treason or sedition? In response to the violence at the Capitol, the FBI launched one of the most sweeping investigations in its history. Ag agents poured over cell phone video, social media posting, surveillance video and police body cam footage to identify those who were at the Capitol that day. The FBI opened a national tip line and posted videos and photographs of protesters. Tips came from many sources, including neighbours and family members who turned in their relatives. Sickening. Of the more than 725 people arrested over the past year, no one was charged with treason or sedition. At least 225 defendants were charged with assaulting, resisting or impeding police, including 75 who allegedly used a deadly or dangerous weapon or caused serious bodily injury to an officer. No mention of the bodily injury caused to the people who were there. The most common charge issued by federal prosecutors involving 640 individuals was for entering or remaining in a restricted federal building or grounds. And this was after the police opened the barriers and waved them in, of course. And at the doors, it was showing them almost acting as um, capital guides, for goodness sake. About 40% of all those arrested were charged with impeding or attempting to impede an official proceeding, the certification of the Electoral College votes from the 2020 presidential election. Of the 165 people who have pleaded guilty to date, nearly 90% of the cases involved misdemeanours. The rest were felonies. Are there any investigative conclusions? House Speaker Nancy Pelosi appointed a select or unselect, as Trump says, committee to investigate the January 6th breach and subsequent violence. That group's work is ongoing. Preliminary findings could be made public by summer. Republican House members are conducting their own probe, but complain that Democrats refuse to cooperate or share records with their GOP colleagues. The Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs and the Committee on Rules and Administration issued a report on the Capitol breach that cited a range of intelligence and law enforcement failures that enabled the violence. Among the findings in the Senate report was that neither the FBI nor the Department of Homeland Security issued formal intelligence bulletins about the potential for violence at the Capitol on January 6th. The FBI's Norfolk, Norfolk Field Office sent out a situational information report late on January 5th warning of individuals travelling to Washington for, in quotes, war at the Capitol, but the agency overall didn't view as credible online posts calling for violence. Capitol Police didn't have a department-wide operational plan or staffing plan for the January 6th joint session of Congress, the report said. It faulted a lack of training in civil disturbances and a failure to provide basic protective equipment to rank-and-file officers. 
who incited the capital breach and violence. Independent media and online sleuths sounded alarms about the presence of unindicted individuals among those who first breached the capital at about 12.50pm. These men played a central role in the breach, encouraged protesters to go to the capital and directed people into the building. Yet they haven't been arrested, indicted or identified by the FBI as among the wanted. Who were they? A man, now known to be Ray Epps of Queen Creek, Arizona, was captured on video on January 5th, 2021, attempting to recruit Trump supporters to assault the Capitol the next day. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol, Epps says, as seen in a video clip, into the Capitol. A man near him says, what? And others are heard shouting, no. Then the crowd breaks into a chant, fed, 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 accusing Epps of being a federal agent. And it's got a photograph of Ray Epps seen on January 5th trying to recruit men to attack the Capitol. They accuse him of being a federal agent. Epps gets into verbal sparring with some of the Trump supporters. You're counterproductive to our cause, one young man shouts. Epps shouts back, staying on message. It doesn't matter. That's not what we're here for. You're getting off the subject. We're here for another reason. Another video shows Epps saying, tomorrow I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested, prompting a man nearby to reply, then let's not say it. Epps responds, I'll say it, we need to go into the Capitol. A young man in the crowd wearing an American flag net gaiter replies, I didn't see that coming. On January 6th, as crowds milled about the Washington Monument in long lines to get in to watch Trump's speech, Epps could be heard shouting through a megaphone. As soon as our president is done speaking, we are going to the Capitol where our problems are. It's that direction. Please spread the word. Epps is seen again in video footage taken at the metal barricades outside the Capitol at 12.50pm as a small crowd chants, USA, USA. He whispers something in the ear of a man wearing a backward Make America Great Again cap. A few seconds later, the young man helps push over the barricade as Epps steps back to watch. This first breach of the security perimeter was 20 minutes before Trump finished his speech. Epps is then seen sprinting with the crowd up the steps toward the Capitol. A few days after the January 6th violence, the FBI placed a photo of Epps on a Seeking Information poster, asking for the public's help in identifying those who breached the Capitol. He could be seen in photograph number 16. That photo has since been scrubbed from the FBI website and it's showing the photos that were posted by the FBI. On the current list of 1,559 photographs of people the FBI wants to identify, there is no longer a number 16. The list skips from photograph number 15 to photograph number 17. Epps hasn't been arrested or charged. John Guandolo, a former FBI agent and counterterrorism expert who was on the Capitol grounds on January 6th, said he saw FBI agents dressed as protesters. For a good portion of the day, I was with law enforcement, FBI, etc. Guandolo said in an interview for the documentary Capital Punishment, guys would walk by and we'd look at each other and be like, two more right there, here comes another, there's another, another one. They were everywhere. Revolver, and an alternative news outlet, identified others around the Capitol grounds who were active participants in the breach, but whose photos weren't included on the FBI's wanted list. One man wearing a grey bulwark jacket, knit cap and sunglasses, is seen on video rolling up the green plastic fencing around the security perimeter. He pulls up the stakes and removes the area close signs. A man in a blue cap with a blue bullhorn is seen in multiple videos atop the media tower erected for the inauguration. Dubbed Scaffold Commander by online researchers, he barks out directives and encouragement for 90 minutes. Don't just stand there, keep moving, move forward, help somebody over the wall. Once the crowd filled in around the capital, Scaffold Commander switched gears. We're in, come on. We've got to fill up the capital. Come now, we need help. Revolver's video investigation said that whether or not Epps and Scaffold Commander knew each other, 
their words and actions worked well together. So we have Scaffold Commander directing the body of the crowd from the tower above and Ray Epps directing the vanguard frontliners at the police line below, the December 18 story read. Yet neither one of them has been prosecuted, nor is either presently wanted by the FBI. Revolver founder Darren Beatty took to Twitter to ask Epps to expose who his handlers were. But now it's time to think for yourself, Ray. Forget about your boat and your ranch and your grill. If you make the right move and tell the truth, you change everything, Beatty wrote on December 29th. Neither Epps, the FBI nor federal prosecutors have commented on Epps' actions that day, on whether he worked for the FBI or on why he hasn't been indicted. Epps told an Arizona Republic report on January 12, 2021, I didn't do anything wrong. Representative Thomas Massey, Republican Kentucky, asked Attorney General Merrick Garland on October 21st to dispel concerns about the Epps videos, but Garland wouldn't comment. I just played this video for AG Merrick Garland. He refused to comment on how many agents or assets of the federal government were present in the crowd on January 5th and 6th and how many entered the Capitol. And that was a tweet from Thomas Massey. You said this was one of the most sweeping investigations in history, Massey said during a public hearing. Have you seen that video, those frames from that video? Garland began talking about a standing practice of not commenting on investigative specifics. Before Massey interrupted him, how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th? Whether they agitated to go into the Capitol and if any of them did? Garland's reply, I'm not going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. What is the significance of unindicted actors? Attorneys who represent January 6th defendants say if Epps or other participants were FBI informants or agents, then it blows a hole in the idea that Trump supporters were solely responsible for violence at the Capitol. Participation by government actors could legally invalidate conspiracy charges, they say could also be incitement, or entrapment, I should say. Attorney Jonathan Mosley, who represents January 6th defendant Kelly Meggs of Donnellan, Florida, a member of the Oath Keepers, issued subpoenas to Epps, Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes and other men who played visible roles on January 6th. As Meggs' April trial on conspiracy charges approaches, Mosley wants to know why Epps was at the Trump rally in Capitol and whether he was working for the government. Mosley said Epps was seen at the first breach of a police line at the pedestrian walkway about 200 yards from the Capitol building. Video shows Epps as he appears to rush the makeshift barricade erected by police, then stops short, Mosley said. It's like he's head-faking people to rush with him, but then he never touches it, he said. A police officer falls, I think it may be a woman, and his immediate instinct is to go help her, and he thinks better of it and steps back. It really looks like he's undercover. Moses said the involvement of government-paid actors in facilitating or inciting the breach of the Capitol complex would create reasonable doubt in just about any of the January 6 cases. There are legal consultants who keep emphasising that legally you can't conspire with the government, So if he's working directly or indirectly for the government, then people are innocent of the conspiracy, Mosley said. It's a legal rule. If there are 10 people conspiring and one of them is with the government, not only could it be entrapment, but it also may invalidate a conspiracy. This type of legal issue has been raised in a Michigan case in which a group of men stand accused in federal court of a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, a Democrat. Defence attorneys recently filed a motion to dismiss the case, contending that government agents and informants concocted the kidnapping plan and pushed to convince the defendants to participate. Are January 6 detainees political prisoners? Third World Banana Republics are notorious for terrible prison conditions and brutal treatment of the accused and convicted alike. Some lawyers, family members and defendants believe the District of Columbia operates a jail that would be at home in any of those countries. The jail is sometimes called D.C. Gitmo after the U.S.-run terrorist detention camp in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. 
the poor accommodations at the DC jail have long been the subject of discussion in the nation's capital. The Washington Post said conditions there were deplorable, an ironic descriptor considering who the jail's primary occupants are these days. The issue got national attention in 2021 because of repeated allegations of brutal, abusive treatment of men accused of January 6 crimes. American citizens are being tortured right now within five miles of the White House, said Joseph McBride, a New York attorney who represents a half dozen January 6 defendants. America does not punish its citizens pre-trial, McBride wrote on Twitter. Authoritarian regimes do. McBride said his clients have suffered treatment that should never happen in America, all because they supported Trump by being at the US Capitol on that fateful day. During incarceration, they've suffered, among other things, severe beatings by guards, the denial of medical attention, including medications for chemotherapy, and refusal of food, McBride said. And there's also um, an image of unusually cruel and an eyewitness report from inside the DC jail. And it's a 28-page report issued in late 2021 by Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who said treatment of January 6 detainees was inhumane. Christopher Quaglin, charged with assaulting police officers during the riot, suffers from celiac disease, but the jail feeds him only food with gluten, McBride said. He has been refused medical treatment. Yes, we are extremely concerned that he will die, McBride wrote on Twitter on December 27th. Ted Hull, the superintendent of Northern Neck Regional Jail, where Quaglin is housed, said McBride's assertions are wrong. Regardless of Mr McBride's fictitious assertions, Hull told the Epoch Times, inmate Quaglin is and has been receiving the appropriate dietitian designed diet consistent with his specific dietary requirements and the appropriate level of medical services consistent with his diagnosis. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican Georgia, toured the D.C. jail with Representative Louis Gomer, Republican Texas in November, then issued a 28-page report titled Unusually Cruel. The report said the conditions for the January 6 detainees were inhumane. And remember that um, her and uh, Representative Matt Gates tried to go into the D.C. jail inspector and they were locked out. So it's pretty obvious that they're not being honest and are hiding things. Coy Griffin, the founder of Cowboys for Trump, who attended the January 6th Trump rally and was on the Capitol grounds, never went inside the Capitol building. He was charged with entering and remaining in a restricted building and disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building. He was arrested in jail but eventually released while awaiting trial. I spent the next nine days in that cell in total solitary confinement. No shower, no phone, no attorney, Griffin said in the film Capital Punishment. The guards, he said, often chanted F Trump, F Trump and called him an expletive white cracker. He complained about his treatment to the deputy warden who said, told him the only job these guards have is to keep your chest moving up and down. Richard Barnett of Gravette, Arkansas, faced seven charges for his alleged actions on January 6th, including sitting in the office chair of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, captured in a now iconic news photograph. One day during his four-month detention, Barton experienced tightness in his chest and arm pain. He called for help, but the guard who responded only mocked and laughed at him. Barnett then called out to a female staff member who said she would get help. Richard lay there for a significant period of time, certainly enough for him to die, read McBride's report on jail conditions, which he sent to Amnesty International. After being given a medical checkup and returned to his cell, Barnett fell asleep. A guard began pounding on the glass door to his cell, jolting him awake so quickly he stood up and then fainted, hitting his head on the sink. Now bleeding from a head wound, Barnett screamed for an hour before help came, the report said. One day, Barnett's cell door opened and some nine officers entered, cuffing his wrists and shackling his legs. 
Guards violently shook him back and forth, lifted him off his feet by the shackles and slammed him headfirst into the concrete floor, according to McBride's report, a copy of which was also sent to the American Civil Liberties Union. The U.S. Marshals Service conducted a surprise inspection of the D.C. jail facilities in October and interviewed 300 detainees. Conditions at the jail do not meet the minimum standards of confinement, the Marshals' report said. As a result, the Marshals' service removed all of its detainees and transferred them to facilities in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. This didn't include the January 6 detainees. Emery Nelson, spokesperson for the Bureau of Prisons, said the agency doesn't comment on anecdotal allegations or provide information about individual inmates. The Bureau of Prisons, BOP, is committed to accommodating the needs of federal offenders and ensuring the safety and security of all inmates in our population, our staff and the public, Nelson said. The BOP takes seriously our duty to protect the individuals entrusted into our care. Who died at the Capitol on January 6th? One person was killed at the hands of US Capitol Police and police action might have contributed to the death of two others, but the four other deaths related to January 6th were either from natural causes or suicides. Ashley Babbitt was shot in the left shoulder and killed as she crawled through a broken window at the entry to the Speaker's lobby. Ashley's husband, Aaron Babbitt, said a careful examination of video footage from the hallway indicates Ashley was upset with rioters who smashed glass in the double doors. He thinks she panicked and sought escape through the window, only to be shot by Lieutenant Michael Bird as a result. She was unarmed and presented no threat to anyone, Aaron Babbitt said. And it's got a, a photo of US Capitol Police stand detained protesters outside of the House chamber during a joint session of Congress and it's got them spread-eagled on the floor. Roseanne Boylan, 34, of Georgia, died in or near the West Terrace Tunnel at the Capitol. McBride says surveillance video shows Boylan was beaten by a police officer as she lay on the ground. The DC medical examiner ruled the death accidental, intoxication from a prescription medication. Give me a break. Kevin Greeson, 51, of Georgia, died on the Capitol grounds of a heart attack brought on by cardiovascular disease, the medical examiner ruled. Benjamin Phillips, 50, of Pennsylvania, died of atherosclerosis, heart disease characterised by fatty plaques that build up in the arteries, the medical examiner ruled. Of the three police officers who died in the weeks following January 6th, Sicknick died from natural causes and Liebengood and Smith died from suicide. Did Democrats weaponize January 6th? Representative Rodney Davis, Republican Illinois, ranking member of the Committee on House Administration, accused House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Democrats of weaponizing events of January 6th against their political adversaries. Davis sent a letter to Pelosi on January 3, 2022, complaining that House Democrats repeatedly obstructed attempts by Republican lawmakers to investigate security vulnerabilities at the U.S. Capitol before and during January 6 violence. The obstruction came through denial of House records and ignoring repeated requests for documents, Davis wrote. Unfortunately, over the past 12 months, House Democrats have been more interested in exploiting the events of January 6th for political purposes than in conducting basic oversight of the security vulnerabilities exposed that day, Davis wrote. Specifically, lawmakers want to know about a request that former U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund said he made to then-House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving prior to January 6th for the assistance of the National Guard, Davis wrote. Sund reported that Irving was concerned about the optics of a National Guard presence at the Capitol. During violence on January 6, when Sund asked about getting authorization for the National Guard, Irving responded that he needed to run it up the chain of command, the letter said. I noticed they didn't have any issues with optics when they had all these uh, fences erected around the capital and all the National Guard in place for the sham inauguration. 
In February 2021 testimony before the U.S. Senate, Irving denied Sun's claims. Republican lawmakers then requested access to Irving's communications to substantiate that denial. Davis said he wrote to House General Counsel Douglas Letter to request those records, but Letter never replied. Both the Sergeant-at-Arms and the Chief Administration Officer failed to produce any documents to Republicans pursuant to our requests, Davis wrote, suggesting that these House officers may be providing documents only to Democrats on a partisan basis. Davis said Republicans want to know why Sun's January 4, 2021 request for National Guard support on January 6 was denied and whether Pelosi or her staff ordered the refusal. They also want to know what conversations occurred during capital violence on January 6th when Sund again asked for National Guard help. Finally, they want to know why the Select Committee on January 6th, appointed by Pelosi, won't examine the Speaker's role in ensuring the proper House security preparations, the letter said. No prizes for guessing that one. When asked whether the Speaker had responded to Davis, Henry Connolly, Pelosi's communications director, referred the Epoch Times to a statement issued by House Administration Committee Chair Zoe Lofgren, uh, Democrat, California. The ranking member's letter is pure revisionist fiction. The Chief Administrative Officer and House Sergeant-at-Arms have already notified ranking member Davis They are complying with preservation requests and will fully cooperate with various law enforcement investigations and bona fide congressional inquiries, Lofgren said in the statement. From the inception of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol, Republican leadership discounted its work because Pelosi rejected two of the five Republicans chosen by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican California for the probe. McCarthy then withdrew his picks. Pelosi appointed Representatives Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger to serve on the nine-member panel, who, of course, are rabid anti-Trump people. The Select Committee could issue at least an interim report by mid-2022 and a final report in the fall, committee sources told several media outlets. Committee Chairman Representative Benny Thompson, Democrat Mississippi, said in December there was no set schedule for public hearings to release the group's findings. Asked by the Epoch Times for comment on possible federal agents embedded on January 6th, William Miller, Public Information Officer for the Department of Injustice, replied, We typically do not comment on cases and investigations beyond our statements and filings to the court and have no comment here. The Epoch Times contacted Epps through his business for comment, but didn't receive a reply by press time. Now, we know that Trump was planning to do a press conference on the 6th, but then cancelled it. Uh, Rumour has it that it was because Lindsey Graham advised against it, and we know he's a rhino. Um, But I think it was probably a strategic move that he could grab the limelight when it wasn't being distracted by all the stupid stuff that the Democrats are doing. And yesterday, he actually put out an announcement, a statement. Um, What we witnessed yesterday was the last gasps of a corrupt and discredited left-wing political and media establishment that has for decades driven our country into the ground, shipping away our jobs, surrendering our strengths, sacrificing our sovereignty, attacking our history and values, and trying to turn America into a country that our people can barely recognise. These radical leftists in Washington care nothing for American democracy. All they care about is control over you and wealth and riches for themselves. But they are failing. No one believes them anymore, and the day is quickly coming when they will be overwhelmingly voted out of power. Now, X-22 picked up on the fact that quickly was misspelt. It missed the L. And uh, Q always said, you know, um, spelling is... um, important so he looked up some q drops where the l is bracketed out. i haven't got that in front of me but just a, a comment on that joe biden's voice is now the voice of desperation and despair his handlers gave him that speech to read yesterday because they know the unprecedented failures of his presidency and the left-wing extremism of the pelosi schumer congress have destroyed the democrat party 
Part of their panic is motivated by the realisation that just like the Russia collusion hoax, they cannot sustain the preposterous fabrications about January the 6th much longer. The truth is coming out. But for them, the worst part of it all is the knowledge that the American people are seeing right through their phony media event, which despicably compared a Pelosi-led security failure at the Capitol to the darkest days in American history and the deaths of 3,000 Americans. The people see right through that sham. They see a cynical politician who ran for office promising unity, who is now doing the most divisive thing possible, slandering his political opponents as domestic terrorists, just like insecure dictators do in communist countries. The American people also see that January 6th has become the Democrats' excuse and pretext for the most chilling assault on the civil liberties of American citizens in generations. It is being used to justify outrageous attacks on free speech, widespread censorship, deplatforming, calls for increased domestic surveillance, appalling abuse of political prisoners, labelling opponents of COVID lockdowns and mandates as national security threats, and even ordering the FBI to target parents who object to the radical indoctrination of their children in school. And this week, January 6th, is also the Democrats' excuse for trying to pass a radical federal takeover of state election law. They are trying to ban voter ID and other basic measures that can ensure the sacred integrity of the vote. The reasons that the Democrats are doing all of this is not because they believe they will win a fair and honest election, it's because they know they will overwhelmingly lose one. Remember, I am not the one trying to undermine American democracy. I am the one trying to save American democracy. Today, I'm more confident than ever in the strength and common sense of the American people. They are counting the days until we will no longer have to be constantly lectured, lied to and dictated to by corrupt politicians and their media partners when we will no longer have to put up with this broken establishment's hoaxes and its manufactured media narratives. And as Biden and his radical handlers know, that day is coming fast. Because in the months and years ahead, the American people are going to speak up, take action and vote in massive numbers and we are going to take back our country. From the very beginning, all that Americans have wanted is great jobs, safe neighbourhoods, strong borders, good schools, a proud nation and a government that listens to the American people. That is what our movement has always been about, and that is what we are focused on to this day. Joe Biden and the radical Democrats have failed on every front, but do not lose hope. America will be great again. So, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about that, and that doesn't leave me very much time to cover the other things that I said I would in the title. Um, so I'm just going to quickly run through some headlines around the COVID latest. Um, the Colorado has a, an article, Pilot Taxiing for Takeoff at Northern Colorado Regional Airport Suffers Fatal Medical Emergency. Then we have the Insider reporting, Qantas says some out-of-practice pilots are making basic mistakes like trying to take off with the parking brake on and confusing altitude and airspeed readings. And the argument is that um, expert pilots have experienced a reduction in cognitive capacity during the pandemic, according to an internal Qantas memo. So what Qantas is trying to do is blame it on the downtime during the pandemic. But what other people are saying is, of course, they've mandated all these vaccines. And that's, that is what is causing these cognitive issues, because we know from the information that this can cause prion disease and everything else. So that's another worrying thing. I'm not sure I'm going to fly anywhere while all this is going on. In other headlines, we've got seven-year-old dies 11 days after Pfizer shot. Vare's report shows, and that article goes into all the latest numbers and actually how many young people are being affected not only by death but by myocarditis and pericarditis. And another article says CDC not investigating myocarditis death of 13-year-old days after Pfizer shot, emails reveal. Children at risk for lifelong health problems from the COVID vaccine. These are all Defender articles on um, 
childrenshealthdefence.org. A major win is judge gives FDA eight months, not 75 years, to produce Pfizer safety data. That's a good news, I must say. And then we have the uh, issue of the Supreme Court hearing oral arguments about these court cases regarding vaccine mandates, both the OSHA mandates and the health worker mandates. And it says Twitter erupts over false claims. And if you've been following this, you'll be absolutely appalled at what some of these judges are actually saying about the vaccines and about COVID itself. To put it in a nutshell, because I don't have time to read the article, uh, Dr. Simone Gold tweeted out, Supreme Court justices just falsely claimed the jab prevents transmission, Omicron is as deadly as Delta, 100,000 children are hospitalised with COVID, many on ventilators, vax mandates will prevent 100% of cases and hospitals are overrun. Every point is provably false. The truth about the children on ventilators is that there are actually four and the 100,000 cases quoted are children that are automatically tested for COVID when they go into hospital and it means they may have COVID but they didn't go into hospital because of COVID. Justice Breyer says there were 750 million new COVID cases yesterday. There are 330 million people who live in America, which means everyone apparently got COVID twice in the last 24 hours. And that was from Greg Price on Twitter. I mean, this is horrifying that these people in such positions of power in the judiciary should be so ignorant about the facts. And also, as many people were pointing out, they're not supposed to have opinions about the disease itself, or if you can call it that, considering it's flu, they should be debating on a constitutional basis, not on a health basis. Words fail me. I mean, this thing is just getting worse and worse. And to quickly cover the last topic that I mentioned in the title, um, this is from New York Post. Ghislaine Maxwell, possible mistrial, a punch in the gut to victims. That from Lisa Bloom. An attorney for a handful of Jeffrey Epstein accusers has called the possibility of a mistrial in Ghislaine Maxwell's case a punch in the gut for all the victims. Lisa Bloom said it was just awful that the Epstein madam could have her sex trafficking conviction overturned in light of juror Scotty David admitting that he swayed deliberations by detailing his own childhood sex abuse. And the story about this is this one jury has gone on the media trail talking about how he's um, uh, he was sexually abused as a child. And so he was educating the, ju- the jury on, you know, the groom, the way um, predators groom children and young youngsters and so on. But it's coming more and more apparent that this guy was a plant because... Um, He says he can't remember if he actually answered the question about sexual abuse in the questionnaire that was given to all the jurors before they were appointed. And also, um, again, X-22, or it may have been, and we know, um, dug into this and found that he has connections to the Carlisle group and all the links to all the people who were threatened by the Ghislaine Maxwell conviction. So there's more dirty work at the crossroads here. And interestingly, the judge approved Maxwell receiving a booster shot. So we're all thinking, oh, yeah, what are they going to put in the booster shot? You know, as she's been convicted, is this going to be another Epstein... um, suicide so-called so anyway we'll have to wait and see how that happens I don't have time to go into it anymore I know it's been a bit of a downer today um, but we have to get righteously angry about this and the thing to focus on is this people are getting angrier and angrier about this whole um, totalitarianism that's being introduced by the deep state and particularly the democrats and the weak rhinos that will not stand up against it. 
So this is the only way we're going to get rid of these people. We can't just rely on Trump as the saviour. The people have to fight back on this. So the positive now I would say is, thank God people are waking up and seeing this for what it really is. And this was the only way that we're going to get a resolution. So there. And, uh, you know, when we have passion about stopping all these injustices, that's when change is going to happen. So um, I hope you're having a good new year. I know it's early days, but uh, I'm very focused on a very, very good 2022. And I hope you are, too. So thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show as, as much as you can with this kind of news. And I hope you'll join me next week for another Cosmic Creating show. Thank you to Nancy for producing and bye for now. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper. 